if I were going to title the sermon, it would be the benefits and the reasons to go to church. Uh, The reason I've had that on my mind uh, so long and not preached it is because about the time I got ready to preach it, you know, we had this issue with a virus come along and there were, you know, everything just kind of seemed to be in an an upheaval. And, uh, you know, the, you know, we're spreading pews out, we're meeting in the parking lot. And it was just kind of a a crazy time and it's still a little bit crazy. Uh, So for the fear of inadvertently, you know, offending somebody, I said, you know what, I'm just going to put that one on the back burner because I don't want to think uh, anybody to think that I was uh, specifically talking about, you know, their reaction to how the virus is going or anything like that. But things, at least in my spirit, have seemed to settle some, you know, we're noticing uh, things getting somewhat back to normal. And I felt uh, a burden come back again to preach these things. And so I had to go back and dig through a bunch of notes from quite a long time ago to pull out some of the thoughts that I had then. So uh, I want to share those thoughts with with you this morning because I know everybody is kind of getting in the mindset and hopefully has the spirit of us all, you know, just seeing things go back to like they used to be. And uh, I hope that that day's coming, but I know we're all eager for that. So please understand that uh, my heart on this is, is really has nothing to do with, uh, with the way COVID has affected our church because these thoughts have been on my mind for way before COVID ever came along. So understand that. Please know my heart and pray that the Lord will bless it and we can honor him through this. But I think it's important as we all are getting back in that mindset of, of things getting back to normal that we, we just have a good understanding of why we come to church and what the benefits of coming to church are. I read a statistic. Of course, this is an old statistic because it was from a couple of years ago when I was studying this. And the statistic was one in five professing Christians claim to attend church weekly. So that's 20%. So 20% of Bible-believing Christian, you know, God-professing Christians uh, only attend uh, church once a week. I thought that was pretty staggering. I would have thought it would have been a lot higher than that. Uh, I want to read to you uh, some verses here. I'm going to use a good many verses here. I'll paraphrase some of them. So I encourage you maybe just to jot some of these down. But if you get to thinking about, you know, why, you know, where does meeting and assembling together, where does that even come from? You know, and why do we do those things? So let me read you some verses here. And I'm probably going to read to you about 10 in a row. And I'm going to try to do it uh, in under a minute or so. I'm just going to read these verses. And I want you to look for just the common denominator in all of these verses. And, and I had a long list of them. But, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to uh, beat a dead horse, but I'm going to kick them a few times. So just bear with me. So Luke, the fourth chapter in verse 31, I mean, 16, Luke, the fourth chapter in verse 16. And it says, and he came to Nazareth. This is Jesus where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read Luke four thirty-one, and it and, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee and taught them on the Sabbath day. Look at Luke 6, verse 6. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. Now let's go to Luke, the 13th chapter, verse 10. Again, write these down because I'm trying to get them quickly because I don't want to labor on here too much. Luke 13, 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. Now most of this is talking about Jesus. A couple of things out of these particular set of verses that I want you to see is that 
If you had a question about where the Lord Jesus Christ was on the Sabbath day, I ought to be able to put that to rest with just those few verses because the Bible says as his custom was, the Lord was in the synagogue or what we would know as church, right? That's what the Lord did. Now, let's flip over to the book of Acts and let's look at some of the apostles here and what their habit was. Acts, the 13th chapter, verse 14. It says, but when they were departing for Perga and they came to Antioch, in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Verse 27 says, For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. Let's look at verse 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And then it says about the next Sabbath and the next Sabbath day came also the whole city together to hear the word of God. I've got two more here. Chapter 15, verse 21. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Last one, 18, verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Now, did anybody see a pattern there? Did anybody see an example set there? And that was just a small part of the verses that I had showing you that at least we can say this, the pattern that the, that Jesus himself and the apostles set was that on the Sabbath day, their custom was to be in church. And when they were in church, what they did was they sat down and you, you read about uh, them hearing the word of God preached. Very similar to what we do today. It's interesting if you go back way back in the Old Testament, before the days of when, when Jesus is coming to the earth, way back, what you find all throughout the Old Testament is you find that exact same pattern. Now, some of the specifics were a little bit different, but you find them regularly meeting together as an assembly or a congregation. That's a good word study if you ever want to do that, is to, to look up in the Bible the words assembly or, or congreg congregation or gathering. And it's, it's really interesting to me how many times you get, you get an example in the Scripture of everybody meeting together, God's people meeting together. So uh, I want to go over some of the benefits and the reasons that we do that. If no other reason we could say we're doing it to follow the pattern that we see the Lord and his apostles doing, right? Okay, so think about today in church. You know, one of the things that if this is just, this is just my thoughts on it. You, you know, I'm not saying the Bible says this. These are my thoughts. One of the devices that the devil has used to greatly weaken God's people is to sell them on a mindset that church is solely about you, Right? Or church is solely about me as an individual. Let me give you a few examples of that. I'm not being critical. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. We have created services to cater to the congregation, right? Well, if you like this type of music, we'll do you a service with that type of, of singing and music. Well, if you like this style, we'll make you one with this style. All right. I'm not telling you that that's wrong, but what does it do to the mind of a child of God? Well, hey. It's, it's a little bit about me. They're, they're, they're making this like I like it, right? Now, some people might say, well, 
I've got, I've got them doing a service like I like it. And then the church comes along and says, hey, if, if you like this, we'll add this over here. If you like this particular thing, we'll add it right here. If you want to meet with just people like you, we'll, we'll do that. And what has happened is church, God's people have been deceived to think that church is all about them. And so when those needs quit getting met, guess what? I'll see you. Not nobody scratching my itch. I'm out of here. That might be hard to hear, but that's just true. That churches have begun to cater to individuals. And I've noticed this, that I have seen a few times on social media or something, somebody's looking for a church. And I saw, I saw uh, one not too long ago. They're all the same. I mean, they all read almost exactly the same way. But this person wrote... Four sentences, and and they were looking for a new church home. And in those four sentences, if I remember right, six different times in four sentences, they said, I want. Now that ought to prove my point. I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and this, and this, and this. Well, that's a person who had begun to believe that church was all about them. Well, I assure you, you benefit from church, but I'm going to go through some of the reasons and benefits. And I think what you will find is church is a lot more about everybody else than it is you. And that's something that we need to keep in mind. Now, if we have a if we have the what's in it for me mentality about church, I assure you, you will always be dissatisfied. To some degree, and you probably will end up being so dissatisfied that you just leave and quit. So let's look at the reasons and the benefits that we go to church. Number one, if you turn over to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, in verse 25. One of the reasons that we assemble together is because the Lord told us to. If the pattern is not good enough that the apostles and Jesus said, maybe this is just that the Lord instructed us to. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know that we are closer today to seeing the Lord face to face than we were yesterday? The day is steadily approaching where we'll see the Lord. And we see it says that we should exhort one another. That word exhort there, the definition is to bring to one side. Now, what you do, as I've said many times, what you do when you get that person to your side may vary from person to person. But it's hard to bring somebody to your side if you're not there with them, right? So the Bible says here to be sure that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I like that he used the word assembling. And listen, I'm going to say this with as much Christian love as I can muster. And I hope you understand my heart on this. This is God's design. It is God's design to assemble together. Amen. There are many benefits for example, of us having a podcast, many benefits. So I travel around to a good many churches here and there, and I can't tell you the number of times that somebody's come up to me and said, we love Bethlehem's podcast. 
And they'll say, I listen to it on the work or I listen to it on the way back from work. People love Bethlehem's podcast and it is a huge blessing to have that. I bet if you ask the Apostle Paul, hey, would you like a podcast where there's just a way that you can preach and people that are you know, across the country can hear it? There, there was a sermon that was posted not long ago on our podcast and, and somebody commented on it and Tiffany and I were trying to figure out who it was and they were from across the ocean on our podcast, our little Bethlehem podcast. Isn't that exciting? But a podcast is not to be a substitute for the church, assembling with the church. Okay, I'm glad I got some amens on that. A podcast should never be a substitute for assembling with God's people. Now, can you benefit from the podcast? Absolutely. But I think about um, Brother Harold McCool. Most of y'all know Brother Harold McCool, Sister Diane. They're not, uh, he's, not, he's, he's passed away. Sister Diane's not here today. But you know, one thing that I heard from Sister Diane multiple times, and not just her, I've heard it from several other people that, that have, have had reasons that they could not come to church. What do those people tell you? Oh, I wish I could come back. I, Brother Harold could, he just physically could not get here. And Sister Diane, she, she just couldn't pick him up and bring, he just couldn't get here. All right, Brother Harold suffered over that. You know who else suffered? Did we not all suffer a little bit? Didn't we miss seeing the back of his head as he sat up here? Didn't we miss seeing Sister Diane and hearing her singing during that, that time period when he was unable to come? We missed that. He longed to be able to assemble together with us. Now, they can benefit from a podcast. That was as close as they could get to here. But they would tell you it's no substitute. It's no substitute. And there's no way you can fully get the benefit just from the podcast. Tiffany had the best example. So if you get mad on this one, you can take this one to Tiffany. Sorry. Take it to me first. (laughs) Tiffany said, you know, it's a lot like this. She said, we like to, uh, to, to be together at dinner time, sitting around our table. Uh, and I've told you before, some of, our, uh, the, some, some of the times we laugh the hardest or have the, the best spiritual conversations are around our dinner table with our children. She said, but imagine that we fixed supper, everybody fixed their plate, and everybody went to their own room to eat. And there's an empty dinner table. Is everybody getting fed? Sure. But we're not getting fed together. Are you with me? That paints a beautiful picture. I feel like the Lord was flowing through her when he gave her that example. Painted a beautiful picture. There's something about assembling together that the Lord desired us to do. You ask a a, a, a mama and a daddy, whose children are grown and gone and have children of their own, what some of their most joyful times are, when is it? When everybody comes back and everybody's together. Right? Think about that. We are the Lord's children. And don't you think He gets a great joy of seeing us all assembled together, not running off to eat in our separate rooms? There may come a day that we don't have a choice. There may come a day like Brother Harold, that's all he had, he could do. But it broke his heart. And I sat right behind him for for years and years and years. And it broke my heart to see that empty pew. 
Sometimes we need to think, I'm going to get up and go just because God told me to. And I know the Lord loves to see His people assembled together. What's another reason to go? Another benefit is one is to contribute to the song service. You may think that's a silly one. Is to contribute to the song service. But Paul writes, I will sing praises in the midst of the church. And you go back and you look at uh, from Exodus, the 15th chapter. If anybody knows what happens in Exodus, the 15th chapter, that is when the Lord has delivered the Israelites across the Red Sea. And when they get across the Red Sea and they turn around and they see the sea close in and Pharaoh and his armies destroyed and they feel a great deliverance. You know what they got together and did? They sang. They sang. The Bible calls it the song of Moses. And the Bible says they got together and they all sang. In Revelations, the 15th chapter, when you see all of the redeemed coming together, guess what they did? They sang together. As a matter of fact, they sang the same song they sang in Exodus 15. From at, for at least from Exodus, the 15th chapter to Revelations, the 15th chapter, you find numerous examples of an assembly lifting up their voices and singing. Now, listen, I'll be the first to tell you, I am not a great singer. At all. But I try to contribute. Because I've been to so many churches, primitive Baptist churches, where one, maybe there's just not enough people to really have much of a song service. I remember one particular time, I was relatively new to the primitive Baptist church, and um, we were singing Lord Lead Me On, the song that we sang this morning, right? And I know all you music people, there's, there's, you got all the different parts people sing i call it you know the men sing the part and this one the women sing the part that's kind of how i do it in my head but you know and lord lead me on there's a there's a time when it's mostly the women singing and then there's some times when it's mostly the men singing and and so we're we're at some church tiffany probably remembers it. we're at some church somewhere and there's not many people i mean there there may be 10 and and so we're singing lord lead me on and i am just i mean i'm just eat up with being a primitive baptist we're relatively new and, and when we've gone to preach at this place and it get time it got time for the for the for the men to sing and buddy i just turned it loose and i was the only man that turned it loose have you ever been singing and everybody else stopped and you didn't know it <laughs> listen some of you that sing really good probably like yeah you know that's not when you don't sing very good. And Mo, I wanted to just crawl under the pew. I was like, oh, I know. I just quenched the spirit. But listen, I have been to so many different primitive Baptist churches, and, and, and I think some of you will agree with me. A good, healthy song service, it absolutely can set the tone and bring the spirit for a preacher to get up and preach. And it can do exactly the opposite. I've been in some song services where people just didn't want to sing and it was just they just yeah, it was just as dead as could be. And it's hard to get up and preach after that. So coming to church and contributing to the song service makes the service better. Right. Now, listen, if I can sing, everybody can sing to some degree. But I want you to think about that the next time you think, well, you know, I don't know if I really want to uh, get up and go to church. Look at the pattern of the apostles and Jesus. Think about the Lord seeing his family come together and think about what your contribution to the song service can do. I don't want to embarrass the row behind me where I was sitting, but those folks can sing. 
These girls up here is probably Ben. Singing this morning. Oh, it just lifted my spirits and it made me want to get up and preach. Think about your contribution to the song service. Another reason we come to church is to hear the needs of others. You know, I told you about this list right here. To hear the needs of others. Galatians, uh, the sixth chapter of Galatians says that we are to bear one another's burdens. You know what this page is? It's a long list of burdens. That's what it is. I mean, look at all this. All these are burdens that our church family are carrying. And we are supposed to follow the instruction of the Bible and helping them carry those burdens. But you can't really know they've got a burden unless you're here to hear somebody talk about it, right? You know, we're doing this list now, but Brother Tim would stand up on most all Sundays and he starts running this list of things. And there have been times that I had no clue something was going on until Brother Tim announced it. And I thought, you know what? That is, that is somebody we love and we need to help them carry that burden. And that may just be as simple as, you know, blah, 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 send them a text. It's that easy. Help them bear the burdens. You know, when, when somebody's down or somebody's sick or somebody's lost something, as a church family, we're supposed to come together and help them. You know, if somebody was sick, well, you know, think about Brother Tibbs who we just lost. What do you think Brother, Brother Tibbs would have probably, I know Brother Tibbs pretty well, he probably would have taken his phone off the hook and said, I can't answer that phone anymore. If everybody started calling him, saying, I love you, I miss you, I hope you're better soon. Can you imagine what that would have done for him? To have some people call and lift him up and help bear his burden. So I pray that you don't take this too lightly and just use it as a bookmark like I would be prone to do. But I hope you look through there and, and pray over it and say, Lord, how can I bear a burden that these people are carrying? Take them food, call them, send them something. There's a tons of ways we can bear each other's burdens. Let me move on. Another good reason it's good to come to church, and this is a very important one, is to see who's not here. To see who's not here. See what part of the family is not here. To see what part of the body is not here. You know, the Bible says uh, that the church body, the church family, is like a body. Right? And you think about your own body, and I said this before, uh, you know, my, my hands, aren't, they don't really have the same capacity as my, I mean, the same function as my feet, and my feet don't have the same function as my ears, and on and on and on and on and on. So think about it this way. I think the last example I used, if I, if I took some, uh, my hand and I grabbed a pile of green beans and I just mashed them up and shoved them in my ear, what good does that do me other than making a mess? But if I put those green beans in my mouth and smash them up and swallow them, it's a whole lot more benefit, right? You see, everybody is a part of the body. And when the body is not you know, all together, it doesn't function as well. Now, can it function? Sure, you could cut my leg off and I could still function, but I don't function as well. Now, Think about this. The Bible talks about assembling together. We've talked about that. Let's say you go down to the store and you buy a bicycle, right? And you want to save 10 bucks so you don't get them to assemble it, which will be the best 10 bucks, you, 10 bucks you've ever spent, by the way, especially if it's a grill. 
But you go buy a bicycle and you bring the box home and you take all the parts out and you start putting those things together and assembling the bicycle. And you're proud of it. And you get to the very end of it and you realize they only gave you one wheel. Now you might be like the guy that used to ride up and down Tuscaloosa years ago. Some, some of y'all probably have seen him. He had a bicycle with the back wheel. I saw, anybody ever see that guy? And that guy could get up on a guardrail and ride with one wheel. But he's the only guy I've ever could see. And he'd lean back and he'd have the two arms coming out where, it, where the front wheel should have been, but there was nothing. Well, listen, if I assemble that for myself and there's not a front wheel, I'm not riding it. Because it's not fully assembled. Are you with me? Because every part of that bicycle is important. Every bolt, every nut, the chain, the handlebars, they're all important. And you may say, ah, you know, I'm not, I'm not that big a deal. If I, I'm not that big a deal. The only thing I am is the little cap that goes off, that goes on the, um, the valve stem or the valve of the tire. That's all I am. I'm just a little cap. I'm not that important. You're important. Because if you don't, something's going to get hung in there and cause it, cause it to depress and cause a leak. The Bible says even the most feeble parts of the church body are important. Amen. And I hope you see your importance. Let me, I, let, me, let me give you this. If no other way than this, you have a contribution to this body. And that is to be an encouragement to other people. Do you know, I have sat through some of the best sermons that anybody could ever ask to sit through the most spirit filled sermons. And I've, I've just been just greatly fed. But I may be walking out of the church, walking down the back steps of the church and somebody stopped me and we have a two minute conversation and they say something to me just in passing and they have no idea that they, they, it wasn't a, a premeditated type of thing they just say a few things to me and I go on and I get more encouragement out of that exchange maybe than that great service never underestimate your ability to encourage somebody but you can't do it if you haven't assembled here together it's like a bicycle without the wheel now Another reason that we go to church and the benefit of going to church is to strengthen fellowships. And Acts, the second chapter, says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the breaking of bread, in the prayers, and in fellowship. And this is my strange way of thinking about the bonds of fellowship. You can adopt it if you would like. I know, I know Hank and Jack are like this at least because I'm going to talk about Spider-Man. I feel like Every time I come in and I have a little conversation with somebody here at this church, it's like a web goes from me to them or from them to me and it sticks. And then maybe I see them the next time and I talk a little bit and another web goes out and then another one and then another one and then another one. And the next thing you know, I've got such a bond with this person. That when Satan's sword comes and tries to sever that fellowship, it's going to be a lot harder for him to do it. Are you with me? I hope that made some sense. Every time we interact, every time we have an experience with each other, we're strengthening the bonds of fellowship. 
And the Bible says that the apostles continued in the fellowship. And we also should continue into the fellowship. You know, I came in this morning. There are a few fellows sitting on this uh, uh, in the back back there where those two pews are. And I sat down, sat there two minutes, talked to them for just a minute and got up and left. And I always feel closer to those people when I leave than when I came. That's strengthening the bonds of fellowship. And that's why Brother Tim has preached so many times how important fellowship is. Fellowship is vitally important because when you have strong fellowship with each other, it's so much more difficult to get discouraged. It's so much more difficult to get your feelings hurt. It's so much more difficult to get offended when you feel a closeness with your brothers and sisters. Now, let me give you this one. This one's a biggie. <clears throat> you can be an encouragement to other people, but you can be an encouragement to your preacher. Now, I, I, I feel like I've got the liberty to, to speak for Brother Tim here because I, I, we are like-minded because in this sense because we're both called to preach. A preacher wants somebody to preach to. Brother Tim and I did not go down to you know, uh, the, the courthouse and, and fill out some paperwork and say, I want to become a preacher. The Bible teaches that God chooses who he wants to preach. And don't ask me why he chooses who he chooses. But God chooses who he wants to preach. And he puts a fire and a desire inside of them to study his word and to teach it and to talk about it. And it's like Jeremiah said, if we try not to do that, it just burns us on the inside. I sat down with Brother Tim one time and I said, uh, I said, Brother Tim, early on when we first came to the Primitive Baptist Church, I said, Brother Tim, how do you know if you're called to preach? And Brother Tim said, we talked a little bit. He said, but well, I'll tell you, he said, he said, I found myself preaching to steering wheels. He said, I found myself preaching to trees. That seems silly, doesn't it? But what he didn't know at the time is how many times I had been going down the road preaching to my steering wheel. He had no idea just to say it, just to get it off your chest, help. But a preacher wants somebody to preach to and a preacher studies throughout the week and he labors and he prays and he tries. He begs God to give him the gift of explanation where he can say something to profit the congregation. But what if that preacher gets here and there's nobody here? That's a discouragement, right? You think, you think about, we love Brother Tim. We all love him dearly. I hope you do. I do. What's the best way, and I'm speaking for Brother Tim, what's the best way to encourage Brother Tim? Is it to go over there and slip him a 20? Is it to send him a birthday card? I promise you he would say, it's just to be here. So he can discharge the things the Lord has given him on the ears of the people he's been thinking and praying about all week. That is the greatest encouragement for a preacher. You know, because a preacher can get discouraged. A preacher can get very lonely at times. I want to look at a few examples here in the Bible. Um, <clears throat> let me go to uh, 2 Timothy for just a second in the fourth chapter. I think I've got that right. Paul is writing a letter here to Timothy. And he makes the point in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, to write this in verse 11. He writes, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, 
for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, Paul is sitting here being inspired by the Spirit of God to write. And one of the things he writes is how lonely he is. Only Luke is with me. You know, there's another time when he, he writes. Um, I'll see if I jotted it down here. In Colossians, the fourth chapter. Don't flip. Let me just flip over there real quick. Colossians, the fourth chapter. He says this. As he's closing his letter, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And then over in another letter to Timothy, speaking of Demas, he says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. That'd probably be a good sermon one day. Are you are you a Mark and a Luke where Paul says they're profitable to me in my ministry? Or are you a Demas who says, I've abandoned, uh, who have abandoned Paul because he had more love for the world than he did for Paul? What kind of person are you? I hope I can say that I would be a person that would be profitable to someone's ministry, right? The greatest way to be profitable to Brother Tim's preaching, to my preaching, Brother Neil, Brother McNeil, is to be here for us to preach to you. That, that may sound selfish on our part, but it'll just have to sound selfish because that's what we want. That's what we want is to be an encouragement. I mean, to be able to preach to you and we want uh, uh, as a body and including myself when I sit out there to be an encouragement to the preacher. Another thing uh, I find interesting about Paul and I preached this in Florida one time um, in Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter. I'm going to read this to you because I like the way it reads. Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter. Paul says this in verse five, for when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side without were fightings within were fears. You ever been there? Feel like troubles on every side of you? Everywhere you look, there's conflict and fighting and on the inside of you, it's fear. That's a bad place to be in. It said, nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. What was it that comforted Paul in a moment when he said, there's fightings everywhere, there's fears within me, there's trouble all around? It was the coming of his brother. Being able to see him face to face. Paul even writes to the church at Thessalonica how much he abundantly desired to see them face to face. And I can attest to you as a preacher, that's what encourages a preacher. So our presence, one of the reasons and benefits of coming to church is just to encourage the, the poor old preacher who hopefully has got something that he can say to feed you. Now, if you've noticed up to this point, how much of these benefits and reasons are about you? They're really not hardly any of them. We come to church because God told us to. We come to church because we're following the pattern of the apostles in Jesus. We come to church to contribute to the song service. We come to church so we can hear the needs of other people. We come to church to see who is not there so we can minister to the rest of the body because maybe they're hurting. I heard Brother Neil say one time, speaking on that, he said, you know, if I go out and, and, and I cut my, my hand really bad, the rest of my body doesn't say, I, I'm not worried about it. 
He says, we immediately go tend to that wound. And it's the same with the church body. We're just humans and we can get our feelings hurt pretty easily. And the rest of the body should be quick to go tend to the wounds of the rest of the body because maybe they're not here because they're hurting. See who is not there to strengthen the fellowship between each other, to encourage other people, to encourage the preacher. None of those things are about you. They're about everybody else, right? But this one's about you. We come to church to be fed spiritually, to be taught in a day of great confusion to help our minds be put at ease. In the book of Jeremiah, it says, I will give you pastors of mine own heart to feed you with knowledge and understanding. You see, that's the purpose of, of a preacher. He's like a shepherd and he comes to feed a flock with knowledge and understanding. I've got notes that I have have written down during sermons before. I've got notes that I've written in my Bible for when a brother stood up here and preached to me something or preached to the congregation something and it brought so much light to a current situation that had I that if I didn't if I was not here to hear that, I would have continued on in confusion. One of the greatest examples of that is understanding and learning about the doctrines of grace, right? Some of us that, didn't, that weren't raised primitive Baptists, we come in here with our minds all tangled up. And what does the pastor stand up here and do? What does the preacher stand up here and do? He feeds you a little at a time, a little at a time, a little at a time. And the next thing you know, your mind begins to, becomes untangled and you've learned some things and you see things much clearer. You remember I preached to you not too long ago about the lens of the scripture, how when you look at life through the lens of the Bible, things just make way more sense. That's part of a preacher's job is to help you put those lenses on. Now, being fed spiritually, you know, if you ask me what is the condition of the flock of God today on a worldwide level, uh, well, let me say this, on a national level, uh, I think most of God's sheep are, are pretty thin, pretty malnourished. And I hear Brother Tim and Brother Neil talk about Africa and the links that people go to to come and to hear the word of God preached. Now, they probably don't have two pair of socks to their name. They'll never sit down and eat a big, fat, juicy ribeye from Outback. They're poor. They don't, they don't get to take baths and showers every day. They don't know what air conditioning is, but they are so well fed that they are fat, happy sheep. And it may take us getting to that point to see the benefit of absorbing God's word to get hungry again for God's word. I wonder sometimes. We have a great privilege to come here every Sunday and the second, fourth Wednesday nights and, and to be fed. And I hope you take advantage of that. Let me give you this very last one as we get ready to close. Another great reason and benefit of coming to church is to develop a relationship with your shepherd, your under shepherd, which is which will be Brother Tim. I think a lot of times and I'm going to say this because he's not here. Brother Tim is so involved in all of our lives. Right. He he is so blessed 
with the gift of being a pastor. But he also is just friendly. And we all love him and we laugh with him and we talk with him that sometimes I think we might forget he's not just Tim. He's more than Tim. He's our under-shepherd. And he's one that loves us dearly. And I encourage you to develop a close fellowship with him. Because he's helped me many times. And I want you to think about a shepherd. How he looks at his flock. He watches that flock. He listens to that flock. And a shepherd, if he watches his flock, and he might say, hey, sheep number 42 is limping a little bit. I need to go tend to them. Or he might say, sheep number 14 is wandering a little bit too close to the edge, and I know sheep number 14 well, and sheep number 14 is, doesn't have the best footing in the world, and of all the sheep in this flock, number 14 doesn't need to be by the edge of the cliff. Because he's learned the sheep. And sometimes, Brother Tim may notice something brewing in our lives before we realize it's brewing in our lives. And his God-called job is to go tend to that. And when he does go tend to that, we don't need to make the mistake of saying, oh, it's just Tim. It's more than Tim. It's the under-shepherd that God has placed here to tend to this flock. He is a man of God that we should listen to. And he has a biblical right to ask us to follow him as the under shepherd. Because Paul says, be ye followers of me, even as I follow Christ. And as long as Brother Tim is following Christ, he has the right to ask us to follow him as the under shepherd. My point, though, is this. The more you are here the closer that fellowship with Brother Tim will be. I want my children. You know, I, I'll give you a good example of this. You know, one of the things Brother Tim does is when a child gets to be about 12 years old, he likes to sit down with them and just kind of go through some of the basic doctrines that we believe at Primitive Baptist. We ought to rejoice in that, that he has the burden to do that. Well, one of mine is, is coming of age to do those things. Brother Tim says, hey, I'd like to sit down uh, with, uh, with uh, Emma Bailey and, and, and I'd like to start going over some of these things. And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm perfectly capable of teaching them those things. I have taught them those things. But it's not about, it's not just about him sitting down and teaching them those things. It's about them feeling a closeness to Him as their under-shepherd. Because I may not be here tomorrow. And I've told them many, many times, I said, guys, I may not be here tomorrow. We don't know what, the, what, the, uh, what tomorrow holds or how long I'll be here. You will need, in those moments, your pastor. 
And I also say you're going to need the mothers and the fathers in that church at the same time. We have a great blessing in the pastor that we have. And I encourage you to be here for no other reason than to develop a close fellowship with him. Because he may come to you one day and say, hey, I've noticed something. And I want to come to you in love. And I want to gently bring old number 14 back away from that edge. Or I want to gently, whatever the number was, bring that sheep in to me that's hurt its foot. Or I want to gently bring this one in who seems to have some sort of sickness and help nurse it back to health. That's the job of a pastor. He is our friend. He is Tim, but he is more than that. And I hope we don't lose sight of that in the midst of how friendly he is. So let me close with this. As we all are getting in the mindset and the spirit just to get back together and hopefully things get back to normal. Coming to church has many benefits. A lot of those benefits with you being here are bestowed on the other people here. Some of those benefits are for you to be fed spiritually and for you to develop a relationship with the under shepherd. But there are many reasons to be here. And I encourage you that when you when you get up and you just don't feel like being here, and I'll say this, just because I've got a suit on and I'm standing in the pulpit doesn't mean I jump up every Sunday and be like, church day! I get tired too. I've got things to tend to as well. Sometimes I get the ox in the ditch. But listen, and I, I, I bet you somebody else here has felt the same way. The days that it is the most difficult and I feel the least like coming are the days that I leave feeling the most blessed and fed. Uh, that has happened to me time and time. And I can't tell Tiffany could write a book on the times that I've said, I am so glad we went. My heart wasn't really in it when we left, but I am so glad we went because I was lifted up and filled and I just feel like a new man. So I encourage you, when you have the same affliction that I have, to think about the other people here. here. Maybe you're that bicycle tire. We need you here. Maybe, uh, maybe there's something that, uh, that, that, you, that the Lord is going to put on your mind to say to somebody in passing that will lift them up and feed them for weeks. You never know how the Lord is going to work. But we have a great blessing and a great privilege to be here together, to see each other's faces, to hug each other's necks when it's appropriate, to strengthen those bonds of fellowship. What a privilege we have. What a privilege. So I encourage you, think about those things when it comes to being here and the benefits of church. As time changes and as, as hopefully we get back to normal, I do want you to think about these things, the encouragement that you can bring and all those types of things. And it might change your mindset a little because the world is trying to get you to say, what's in it for me? There are some things here for you, but you being here is something for everybody else. So think about those things. I hope that's been profitable to you.